well, this is my wife, Stacy. Hello. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> we're loud. Are we loud? Uh, we met at Baylor in 1999, and then uh, we got married. And by the way, we're 7-0. and 0. Can we just stop and celebrate that for a second? Yeah, there's some like Bear fans no? in here. Anyone? Okay. Sorry, that's not what tonight's about. But... Uh, <laughs> But it was not like that when we were there. <laughs> no, I saw seven wins in four years. So uh, anyway, really uh, and we got married in April of 2003. I think we have a wedding uh, photo of ourselves. Do we have a look at us? I was 13. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but we've been married for 16 years. And uh, a little time after we got married, uh, we began attending Watermark and became members shortly thereafter. Uh, Just real quickly, a little background on my upbringing. Uh, I didn't grow up in a home that pursued Christ. Um, We occasionally went to church, but it was not something that had any meaning beyond that hour uh, or beyond Sunday. Uh, I would tell you, looking back now, my parents were functionally divorced uh, the entire time I was growing up. Uh, And about seven or eight years ago, they um, actually got divorced. Um, So that just is a little bit of the the home life that, uh, that I saw and grew up in. Um, I would often um, summarize my personal testimony as a picture of Deuteronomy 6, where God says to Israel that by fearing him and observing his commandments, that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And I call that my heritage of grace, that uh, somewhere along the line on both sides of my family, somebody who loved Jesus said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I have been a recipient of the blessings of the faithful generations that have followed. Um, So my family isn't perfect. I don't want you to hear me say that. Um, But my parents love the Lord and they love their children. um, And they did their best to raise us in truth and righteousness. Um, My parents still attend the church I grew up in in Fort Worth, and um, we love to spend time with them and with my brother and sister. And um, yeah, so as like Jeff said, we've been attending Watermark since 2003. Um, We've been in community uh, for pretty much since then, I guess. We jumped in with a foundation group pretty quickly after that. Um, and, uh, we have five kids, uh, our boy is 12 and then our girls are 10, eight, five and fairly newly one. Are they up there? There they are. That's our family. It's, we don't have very many family pictures of everybody together looking at the camera, but there's one. So, um, so we also homeschool cause we're crazy. And, um, so our life is, uh, full and loud and it is never boring. That's correct. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's see. Yeah. You want to read? I'm sorry. How do we raise I'm this? high maintenance. Oh, there, there we go. go. We'll that might be a little right too high, but. That'll be right. Okay. Um, professionals here. Well, as those of you that know us, uh, we are one of those rare marriage testimonies where every single day of our marriage has been better than the last day, right? And uh, just a straight linear lineup, and, uh, which, of course, is not true. Um, we'll spend a lot of time talking about what our marriage has looked like over uh, the past three years, four years now, as we face the challenges of picking up the pieces after I confessed to some significant moral failure. Uh, Our 
our prayers, just even if there's not similarities between our story and your story, that you'll begin to just pick up on some of the threads, though, of how you can respond to your spouse in various ways. Uh, But in order to kind of, uh, before we unpack a little bit of what the last three or four years has looked like and what's been healthy for us there, uh, let me back up a little bit. Um, I became a believer when I was 13. And as weird as it sounds, I knew I was forgiven for my sin. I just didn't know what to do with my sin. Uh, I didn't know that confessing it to other people would bring healing. And so uh, instead it remained unconfessed and it just loitered in my soul. It piled up inside of me and it just created this internal havoc within me. Uh, It was this ever-growing, always amassing problem that uh, was squeezing the life out of me. And so uh, how I dated girls in my teen years brought me a lot of shame. Um, I struggled to confess my sins to others. In my 20s, in the early years of our marriage, I fell in love with gambling. Uh, And though Stacy knew I was playing cards, it took me a couple of years to confess to the degree in which gambling had a hold of my heart. Um, And then at the start of 2008, my 30th birthday was a month away. And I was convinced my 30s, I'm 41 now, I was convinced my 30s were going to be my gift to God, <laughs> that I was going to crush this decade, uh, or so I thought. Um, but before my 30s even began, uh, Stacy went in for a routine OB visit, uh, and the doctor found some troublesome cells in her body. Uh, those cells were, predetermined, or were determined to be precancerous cells caused by a sexually transmitted disease, Uh, The cause of that was from me and my relationships from my teenage years before we had gotten married. And so sin at that point was from 12 years ago. It finally caught up to me. Uh, I was devastated, uh, embarrassed, ashamed. Uh, In my head, the guy that is going to crush his 30s doesn't give his wife an STD. Not to mention, we also found out that we were pregnant and the doctor warned us there was a chance that this uh, could compromise the pregnancy. I don't know if this is important, but the, his devastation, embarrassment, and shame, like, I didn't see that. He kept that very internal. Yeah, kept that hidden. He, I just, as far as I knew, he was kind of like, oh, Yeah, so we'll, she wanted to... We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, tell our community group and her parents, and I just, I wanted to avoid all yeah. of those conversations, and largely did. Um, so, uh, because I just longed to escape. Um, I escaped into pornography, apathy, materialism, and on and on I could go, but... Most significantly, I went back to the world of gambling. Uh, We're still yet uh, in order to fund that destructive behavior. Uh, I uh, stole money from the company where I worked. Uh, And what started out as a few hundred dollars quickly became tens of thousands of dollars, which then would become um, six figures worth of stolen money over uh, a period of seven years. I stole that money and hid it from everyone in my life, including my wife and my friend who I was stealing the money from. So yeah, from 08 to 2014, nobody knew anything. Um, Not a single person. Uh, And for seven years during that time, I'll just tell you, I hated who I had become. Um, I hated the Psalm 40 pit of miry clay I had dug for myself. Um, King David's right in Psalm 32 when he says, as I stayed silent about my sin, my bones wasted away. That was so true. By the end of uh, 2014, I got to where I couldn't appreciate intimacy with my wife. I couldn't appreciate the hugs of my four children. We had four at that point. For uh, Their daddy was a thief, a liar, a hypocrite, um, a deceiver. And uh, for seven years, I was a fraud in every sense of the word. Um, and I'm here to say that I've tested the warnings of Scripture, and I found them to be true. 
Proverbs 21.6 says, the acquisition of treasure by a deceitful tongue is fleeting vapor. It's the pursuit of death. Uh, and sin had definitely left me for dead. Uh, I really do. I repeat it. Uh, I hated who I had become. But uh, over time, I began to hate uh, something else even more. And uh, I began to hate who I wasn't. Um, and so I began to write down uh, what a life well-lived looked like and also about who God intended me to be. And I just still remember writing this down over the last few days, weeks before I confessed that I just wanted to be salt and light. I wanted to be a city on a hill. I wanted to be an Ephesians 5 husband. I wanted to be a 2 Timothy 2.15 workman who could accurately handle God's word. I wanted to be a Psalm 1 tree and on and on. I just kept writing it down. I didn't even have verses to attach to some of it at a time, but I, I knew I wanted to be somebody that... Uh, I didn't shrink back at his coming, 1 John 2, 28 says, but would rather one day stand and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I just remember as I kept writing out who I wanted to be, I kept writing out, this is who I want to be, God. I just, the spirit faithfully whispered one day, uh, hey, if you want such a faithful person at some point stops writing and they uh, get to living like that too. And so on January 19th, 2015, uh, I put my pen down. 1,737 days ago, I confessed. Uh, never in a million years would I have confessed in my own strength. Uh, it was a clear instance of Christ's power in me. Um, I first confessed to my community group guys around lunch that day. Uh, then in the afternoon here at Watermark Plano, which was, had been open for about one week out in the lobby out there, um, I confessed to Stacy. Yeah, so here's one weird thing. Um, for seven years, Jeff stole and lied and did crazy things with our finances that I was unaware of. Um, and he was struggling mightily with his faith and his self-worth. But I wouldn't say that we had a bad marriage or a terrible family life. Um, I didn't feel like we were on the brink of disaster. Um, Somehow he managed most of the time to be a pretty great and present dad. Um, he was coaching baseball and, you know, playing with the kids when he got home. Um, he uh, contributed to the work of our household. He was a decent neighbor and church member. Um, but over time, um, the keeping up of appearances and not allowing anyone to really know him began to deplete him and his ability to keep it all together and his own strength began to fail. Um, so with the benefit of hindsight, um, I was able to see some uh, inconsistencies and underlying issues that I had kind of smoothed over in my own kind of peacekeeping Enneagram 9 way, <laughs> um, if you're into that thing. Uh, so... Uh, for example, we had always discussed our budget really regularly and had um, just worked together to stick to it. And um, But uh, uh, through time, over that time, he started to not have time to go over the numbers as much. And um, he was more willing to buy things on impulse or overpay for conveniences, which was sort of a flip-flop from who we had been at the beginning of our marriage and um, sort of stressed me out, but was also kind of like, well, okay. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Um, and <laughs> so uh, toward the end, I felt his emotional distance. Um, for example, I remember 
a couple of times thinking like, if I really want to get him talking to me, I'll talk about baseball. And if I can bring up baseball, we'll, we'll get a conversation going, you know? Um, and which is really kind of sad and pitiful, but I didn't really realize it um, at the time. Um, I, I chalked a lot of it up to the fact that we were legitimately worn out. He was working hard, he was coaching, our baby didn't sleep, we had four little kids. Uh, life was just full and I thought this is just maybe how it looks when life is really full. Um, so I would say about the last six months or so before his confession, I began to struggle with anxiety, which is very much not me. Um, um, I chalked it up to postpartum hormones and um, lack of sleep. But looking back, I wonder if part of that was some of my God-given intuition, just seeing things that didn't quite add up and telling me that something was off. Um, and after Jeff's confession, uh, my anxiety issues almost completely disappeared, um, at least in the way that they were presenting before that. So on that day in January, I got a call from one of the girls in my community group, um, and she was like, hey. I'm going to come over and watch your kids. You're going to meet up with Jeff and the rest of the community group at, um, at Watermark Plano, and uh, he's got something to tell you. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I got in the car, and I remember sitting there in the garage, and I was like, God, can we just maybe not do this? Like, can we just... And you were already sick, weren't you? Weren't you I sick? wasn't feeling great. Yeah. He'd been out of town. Yeah. I hadn't seen him since he'd uh, gotten out of town that day. He'd like, help the kids make a banner, like, welcome home, daddy. Um, and I was laying down taking a nap because I was, I was feeling sick. I was all congested. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I told God, I was like, I, I don't want to do this. I just think we'll just kind of, is there any way that we can pretend this whatever's about to happen does not have to happen. Because um, I knew that whatever it was, it was going to be a before and after situation, that like life was going to be different. And um, I didn't want to go through whatever was going to have to be gone through. Um, so I got here, and uh, Jeff, with the help of some of the guys in our community group, just laid it all out. And I mean, there was just a lot to take in. It was very overwhelming. Um, and the, the reality of our life and our marriage was so far from where I thought it was that it was, it, I thought I was going to be sick. Like it just was so overwhelming. Um, and, uh, I'm a really trusting person and, and, and Jeff has always known that like the one thing that just hurts my feelings and just bothers me more than anything is to be lied to and for to know that my husband had lied to me for seven long years was absolutely devastating. Um, but at the same time, God was really kind to me. Um, and it sounds really cheesy, but it's true, so I keep saying it, um, is that he just put the word hope on my heart right from the very beginning. Um, and I did not quite know um, how to have hope or really why to have hope. But I just chose to, to just grasp onto that word, and it was really a life preserver for me for um, just a really tumultuous time. Um, so I had to come to terms with the fact that my husband is a really good liar, um, and that is not cool. Um, and it is, uh, like I said, just deeply wounding and devastating to be on the receiving end of such a big confession and uh, extremely painful, but also alongside of that, not negating that, but also true, was that it was immediately evident to me that who I thought of at the time, like my old Jeff, uh, with the, just who was unencumbered and with an easy smile and bright eyes had come back. And it made me 
sad to realize I hadn't noticed that he had slipped away. Um, and I'd even forgotten to miss him. Um, so I was very grateful to see him again. But uh, like I would describe later, it was almost like he had released this huge boulder and he was feeling this freedom and I felt like it had landed in my lap. Um, and it was like, so glad you're feeling better. Um, so... Um, well, as you can imagine, the past four and a half years, almost five years, it's been quite a journey. Um, and there's a lot we'd love to share about that journey, uh, but we want to be mindful of the time. Uh, our marriage isn't perfect, but we are here to say it's alive and well. Um, and uh, we've learned much. And for the sake of the evening, we thought we'd boil down what God's just taught us over the last four plus years uh, to six kind of points. And, and we would say that's true whether there's significant moral failure in your marriage or if you're just trying to um, grow wherever you're at. This isn't just for significant moral failures, but just kind of in any moment in your marriage, we think these six principles are, are really helpful uh, for navigating the, the road ahead. So number one. Yeah. So our first point is that um, our hope must be in Christ. Um, and so early on, I couldn't manage um, much more than Psalm 39, 7 that says, but now, O Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Um, and then I continue to just dig in uh, to what does the Bible say about hope? Um, and Lamentations 3 was really meaningful to me. Um, and a pretty much the whole thing, but this is a part of it. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Uh, Romans also has a lot to say about our hope in Christ. Our hope does not put us to shame, says Romans 5, which was significant to me because um, there were times and... Um, I think like worldly advice um, sometimes made me feel ashamed of, of choosing to trust him or choosing to move forward in our marriage in a way that uh, looking for healing there. Um, and uh, also Roman says, as a believer, I can be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Um, but what did it, was it, what does it really mean to hope in Christ? I mean, that's a phrase that I've heard all of my life. Um, and, and for me, uh, what it came down to was that I can continue to be hopeful for reconciliation of our marriage. I could be hopeful for Jeff's recovery. I could be hopeful uh, that our finances could recover. Um, but truly my hope and my joy and my future did not rest in those things, none of those things. Any of those things could be taken away for various reasons at any time. But my eternal security is in Christ, and um, that is where my hope has to rest. Uh, the second thing is just uh, do not use sin as a weapon. Um, past sin, you know, someone else's sin as a weapon. Christ never does in the gospel. You just don't see him accuse other people uh, with their sin uh, in, in a degrading way. And Stacy, amazingly, has never used my sin as a weapon against me. Uh, as we purposed to pay the company back, there was, of course, sadness at what we had to give up and the way the finances changed, and again, but again, there was never an attack on me. There was nothing uttered out of her mouth like, look what you've done, this is your fault, um, anything like that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, today for me is day 1,737, and on day 100, 
this was quite a while ago now, there, uh, when I woke up, there were notes um, sprinkled all over the house. Um, from her and our community group. I got them right here. I just, I hold on to them, read them from time to time. And, um, and our family, and it was just celebrating a hundred different changes that they had seen um, Christ work in me. And uh, it just was a picture, right? That the person who was the most hurt by my actions uh, had become the person who was the quickest to celebrate my repentance. And, um, you know, who does that, right? Uh, and, you know, the easy answer and for me in this moment would be to say my wife because that's what she did. Um, but the real answer is, uh, and this also includes my wife, is somebody who understands the gospel, uh, the hope that's in it, and whose hope is securely placed there. And so, two, don't use the other person's sin as a weapon. Um, our third takeaway or thing that we feel like we really learned in this time um, was uh, offering the wounded spouse freedom to grieve the past. So he probably makes me sound better than I am, saying I never use sin as a weapon. That doesn't mean that he never heard about my hurt. Um, and 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 so I, I just, I mean, by the grace of God, didn't use that intentionally to wound him back. Um, so uh, freedom to grieve the past. Uh, Jesus was a man of sorrows uh, who was well acquainted with grief. Uh, he himself was lied to, he was despised, and he was rejected by those closest to him. So we are not alone in our sorrow. Um, we don't serve a God who can't identify with our pain. Um, so it's important for the injured spouse to be allowed space to process and to be hurt. So uh, one particularly difficult part for me was looking back on years of um, family photos and memories of events that we had um, and, and moments that I had felt that we had unity in our marriage uh, and to recognize that my experience in that time was not wholly based on reality and that his experience might have been completely different um, from what I assumed it was at the time. Um, and so journaling through these feelings, some of the things I did was journaling, writing things out. Um, I did a lot of discussing with my community group girls. I'm very much a verbal processor. Um, and then Jeff letting me talk and ask questions were all really helpful. Um, so he did a really good job of, of being humble to um, never make me feel like I should be better yet. And, and whatever pain I was experiencing, he accepted as a consequence of his sin. And um, so I feel like he was honest to confess that there were times, looking back on all those memories and pictures and stuff, that he was just doing his best to hold it together and play the part that he felt like he was supposed to play. Um, and, but I also chose to trust him when he explained that there were some times that he had somehow compartmentalized his life in a way that he truly was all in with our family and had put aside this other part that he had just kind of shut down and pretend wasn't there. Um, yeah. Fourth is uh, trust isn't rebuilt overnight. Um, after I confessed, I knew I didn't have ground to stand on. And, you know, when you mention, uh, as I mentioned, I deceived and I had lied for seven years and with deceit like that and in not even cases that intense, trust just isn't rebuilt overnight. And to this day, 
Uh, I understand when she uh, asks what I'm looking at my phone or tell me about this charge on the credit card or or whatever. I I want her to feel the freedom to doubt me. It's an understandable consequence. Um, And for me, I must do what John the Baptist talks about in Matthew 3, 8, and Paul talks about in Acts 26, 20. I just want to keep bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, and uh, knowing that at the end of the day, I think Jesus says this in Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, but that my repentance, my level of building up trust, it's vindicated by deeds, not by words. Um, and so when Stacy does doubt me, um, I use that consequence and lack of trust to produce a desire for further repentance in me, not, not frustration. Um. Number five, the value of community. Um, So the night of Jeff's confession, someone was watching our kids. Men and women were with us when Jeff confessed to me. And then we went to go talk to his boss and confess to him. It was a really long night. Um, They immediately took over the burden of helping us untangle our finances. That was so overwhelming to me. Um, uh, Our son is a deep thinker. And he was, what, just like seven years old at the time, but he was worried about our family, um, our financial stability, and it brought him so much peace the night that uh, Russ, one of the guys from our community group, uh, came over, showed up at our house to go over all of our accounts and sat with us and looked at everything together. Um, The family's got some grocery gift cards together to keep us in good shape while we just got a clear picture of our situation and what was going on. Um, I relied heavily on those women to help process my feelings. Um, They could help me know when it was just something I needed to say out loud and figure out and hash through um, and when there was something I needed to bring to Jeff um, and let him know about it. And so they were kind of like my living journal and they could give me biblical feedback and real life hugs. Um, As we move forward, these awesome people helped us lay out a plan to pay down our debt, um, looked at us with what um, investments we needed to liquidate, whether or not to sell our house, Uh, It brought us both so much peace to be able to discuss those things with um, my parents and our community group and know that we had an abundance of counsel in all of our decisions. And I know that not all of you have a community group maybe defined like by watermark, but um, you do have the gift of your uh, re-engage group and the leaders that you have there. And um, don't deny them that blessing of just diving in with you um, in in the really icky parts and the practical parts of just life being sometimes in upheaval and needing to figure it out with um, just counsel of others. And then the last thing is there can be abundant life after failure, uh, especially moral failure such as this. For seven years, I believed my life was over for what I had done. I believed that uh, my marriage would never be the same if I confessed. Uh, And the moment I crossed the line of stealing money, I thought my life would be a slow, sad trajectory towards death. Those were just some of the lies that were ingrained in my head, uh, literally sucking out whatever life was still left in there. Um, But Psalm 68, 20 says that God is to us a God of deliverances and to him belong escapes from death. Um, And whether that's stealing or adultery or any number of other things, life can be found, marriages can be restored after failure. And as it turns out, um, it was true, our marriage... um, has never been the same since I confessed. It's been beautifully remade because beauty from ashes is our Lord's way. And uh, he resurrects what seems to be dead. He redeems what seems to be a lost cause. He rebuilds trust where there doesn't deserve to be any. He takes uh, what should have been a death blow to a marriage and somehow makes it stronger than it once previously was. That's our Lord's way. And so we're not just trying to get, uh, we're not just here to just be a part of watching you 
get your marriage back to some place that maybe it never had, like maybe to some place it once was that was in an undivorced um, state. But we want you to taste the the beauty that God intended for your marriage, the the full goodness and beauty that God intended for our marriage. That's our Lord's way. And so, uh, thanks for letting us share. Good luck. <clears throat>